Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word, and um, thank you for stories like this that are honestly a little weird maybe sometimes for us to read, but God, that we see in a story like Rahab's story, uh, just a real person uh, with real life struggles, obviously, um, but exhibiting real faith, even unfiltered faith, faith that's not perfect, and uh, God, I pray this morning for me, for everyone in this room, that we would see a bit of our stories in this story and really see your great big story, the story, the gospel message in this story of Rahab, that we see that none of us are too far gone, none of us are too far lost, none of us have been so bad that we cannot know you, that we can't draw near to you in faith. So God, help us to just see that simple message today in the story of this, this woman who shows faith in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started this series last week, this Unfiltered Faith series. Last week we talked about Gideon. We looked at his story in the book of Judges and just, uh, you know, how, how, how Gideon is an example of a guy that we see in the Old Testament who exhibits faith in the Lord, and yet that faith is certainly not perfect and even at times ugly and, and, and Gideon struggles with his faith in the Lord and even kind of ends his story with some pretty egregious sins still in his life. And today we're looking at uh, the story of this woman named Rahab. Now many of you have heard this story before and um, honestly today's a, a pretty simple message. I'm not going to read through the entire thing. Micah read the, the bulk of it just now. Um, and it's in Judges, or Joshua chapter 2 and then a little bit in chapter 6 as well. Um, but here, here's the idea of today. And as I was thinking through this message and reading through it kind of again and again and praying over it this week, uh, man, the Lord just kept impressing on me. And really, I just prayed it because that's my prayer for us today. Um, that we would hear in this story God's grace and his goodness and his wonderful mercy for all people who would draw near to him in faith. Listen. If you sometimes think about yourself and you think about your faith and where you are with the Lord and you think, man, I'm just not perfect, I'm just not there yet, or I just don't get it, or I just don't know everything, then you're in good company, honestly. You are in the company of, of so many in Scripture that we read about. You're in the company of men and women in this room who are right there with you who would all agree, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes I struggle with what I know. Sometimes I struggle with what I believe or, or having faith and taking the steps and doing the things that God has called me to do. Rahab's story really is a story of a woman who, I, if we can put a word on it, it's really the word ignorance, okay? And I don't mean ignorance in the sense like kind of we take that in a bad sense sometimes. Ignorance really just means I don't know, right? Ignorance means I don't know everything. We're all ignorant of some things, Here's a truth that we all need to hear from time to time. You and I are ignorant of something in this world, some sort of truth that we don't yet understand or, or know, because if you did know all of it, you'd be God, right? And none of us are. We have things that we're still yet learning, and Rahab has a, a few things that she knows, but a lot of things clearly that she doesn't. And here's sort of the point of her story, that she believes what she does know. What she has heard 
what she, what she, kind of the, the revelation that she's had about the stories of God, this, this God and these Israelite people who are kind of camped on the other side of the river. She's in Jericho, probably able to see the camp of Israel on the other side of the Jordan. And she sees, she knows that they're coming. These spies come to her. And, and she started to hear some of the stories, right? Because she knows, like a lot of the people in Jericho and in Canaan, the, the land that Israel's promised, they know the stories. They've been hearing hearsay about what God has done through these people. They, they know, and she seems to know, they've come through the Red Sea, what they did when they left Egypt and how God split the sea and killed the Egyptians and all these amazing things and how they went to battle on the other side of the Jordan against several different kings and God delivered them out of their hands uh, time and time and time again. And Rahab has heard some of these stories and she simply believes what she's heard. And so I just want to pull out a few quick uh, faith, sort of faith uh, encouraging things for us today about our own faith as we look at Rahab. And so this morning, the message is for those of us in this room who don't know everything, okay? That's what this message is for today. So really, that's all of us. And if you think you do know everything, hopefully today the message just humbles you to a place where you understand that really you don't. But we are called to believe what it, whatever it is that we have heard. And so a few things I want to pull out of Rahab's story real quick. The first thing is this about what faith is. Faith means choosing a side. Faith means choosing a side. Now, throughout Scripture, we see this kind of played out again and again. And I want to read a little bit of Rahab's right here. So in verse 3, it says this, The king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. But go after them quickly, and you may catch up with them. Uh, quick note, Rahab obviously lies here, right? This is a story about a woman who is even mentioned in the book of Hebrews as a woman of faith, and her story begins with lying, okay? You want to talk about unfiltered faith. This isn't a, a perfect story. Nobody ever said that it was, but we need to understand this real quick. Um, Rahab has never heard the Ten Commandments. She doesn't know God's law, and I'm going to get to that in a second. All she knows is, I'm picking a side right now. Right? If you actually go to the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua 24, probably the most famous verse in all the book of Joshua is where Joshua says this. Choose for yourselves whom you will serve, what God you will serve, either the God of Israel or the God of the Canaanites. He's talking to the people of Israel. But what does he say? As for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. That's a choice. That's a choice. And Joshua is called. That's really what the whole book of Joshua is about. Israel, make a choice. The prophet Elijah does this same thing. Y'all know the story of Mount Carmel where, where the, the prophets of Baal come up on Mount Carmel and Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel and all of Israel gathers around to see who's the real God. Elijah starts that moment by drawing a line in the dirt and he calls all of Israel to look at this line and he says, here's the deal today. You are going to pick. Stop wavering. Don't go one side or the other. You can't stand like this. You can't straddle the line. You pick to serve Baal or you pick to serve God. You don't serve both. Jesus himself said this in the Sermon on the Mount. You cannot serve two masters. And he's talking about God and money. There's something in your life vying for your attention, for your love, for your affections, to be number one in your life. And you know what it is for you. Faith is to choose. Faith in God is to choose him. And Rahab's simply making a choice. Okay, she's just saying here, okay, the line has been drawn. I can choose to deliver these guys over to the king of Jericho, or I can choose to align myself with the people of this other God that I've heard about. And she's making a choice. 
Some of you need to choose. Some of you have heard a lot of things about God for a long time, and you've never really chosen to say yes to him in faith and follow him. Make a choice today. Second thing about faith, faith means believing what you've heard. So when Rahab goes and talks to these men, after she, she lies about where they're at and she kind of sends the king's people out and they, they disappear, she goes up to the men of Israel, the spies in the land, and she begins to talk to them about what she's heard about them, starting in verse 8. I'm going to go over to verse, let's see, verse 9. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So what does she know? God has given you this land, the land that I live in. I've heard this. She's heard that story somewhere, somehow, right? She understands that this land that she's now living in belongs to Israel. That's what she knows, right? In verse 10, she she confesses, I've heard he's done amazing things, right? Leading you through the Red Sea. In verse 11, she confesses, he is God of heaven and earth. This is what she knows. But think about everything she doesn't know. Like I said, Rahab hasn't heard the Ten Commandments. The spies have. The Israelites have the commandments of God now. They know the law of God. They know the sacrificial system. That's the book of Exodus where God gives all that to Moses. But Rahab doesn't know that stuff. She doesn't know anything that they know about the creation account that Moses wrote in Genesis. She doesn't know all of that. She doesn't know all the laws and the rituals and the way to clean things properly and the way to offer sacrifices properly and the way to give offerings and tithes properly, the commandments. She doesn't know. She's ignorant on those things. But what she knows, she believes. Okay? So listen, what have you heard about God? That's the question for all of us. That's the, last week I read you from Philippians 3 where Paul says, let us live up to what we've already attained. What, what Paul means by that is whatever you've heard, whatever level of understanding you have about God, that's what we're called to believe. That, that's the level to which we're called to attain. Now, you're here today, so here's what I know that you know. You know that there is one God, the maker of heaven and earth, who sent his own son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on a cross, to save sinners, who rose again from the dead and is Lord over all creation. If you didn't know that, you know it now. You've heard it now. And so now you're called to believe it because the Bible says it's true, and I've proclaimed to you that it's true. And so now you have no ignorance there. Do you believe that about God? Rahab didn't know everything, but what she knew, she simply believed. And then she goes a step further, right? So faith isn't just believing what you heard. Faith means acting according to what you believe, right? And so at the end of that story, and I'm not going to read all this just for time's sake, but at the end of that story, verses 15 through 21, it's kind of up here on the screen, but I'll just paraphrase it. She's talking to the spies, and she says, like, you know, what's going to happen to me? And the spies make a deal with her. They're like, basically, okay, listen, we're going to go. We're going to go back to our people. And when we come to attack Jericho, you let down a red cord from your window, and that will let us know that you have kept your word. But if you tell our business, if you now go to the king, because she still has an opportunity here, right? Rahab still has a chance when they leave, she could go tell the king, okay, actually, I know where they went, you can go get them, and I know when they're going to attack, and I know all this stuff, right? She still has a choice to make. But Rahab stays faithful to what she said, to what she has heard, and what she has believed. They, They surely begin to tell her more stories about God, about what God's plan is, and what they're doing. And so Rahab just simply remains faithful and acts upon the belief that she has in God. It's not enough. For us to just say that we believe something. The book of James, if you want something to read on this, go read the book of James. It is all about this, where James kind of drills into this point. That it is faith that we are just, through faith that we are justified in Jesus Christ, right? We have faith in him, and yet that faith must be active. 
That faith must do according to what we have been called to believe, right? We don't just say that we believe things. Faith is not just intellectual assent. Faith is not just I know things, but faith is my life has been transformed by what I know to a place where I act it out and live it out. And so Rahab follows through. She does exactly uh, what she tells the spies that she's going to do. She never gives their word away. She never gives away what they're going to do, and she lets them go, and they go back to Israel and all that, and then she stays quiet. And then when they come to attack the city, she lets the red cord out of her window to say, look, I've kept my word, and she and her family stay in the house, and they're spared at the end of her story. And we got to remember something about Rahab um, and her story, which I think is really interesting. The very next chapter, so after Rahab's story ends in in Joshua 6, the very next chapter, Joshua 7, is about a different character, and this guy's name is Achan. If you've read the book of Joshua, you know this story, that Achan is one of the sons of Israel. Achan is a man who does know the law of God, who has been given the commands of God, who has heard the word of the Lord from Joshua, maybe from Moses even before that. Achan is a man who is, if I could put it in our maybe contemporary language, Achan's a church kid, right? Rahab's the person who's kind of coming in and visiting, right, for the first time, and she's never really heard any of the stories, but she's heard a little bit, and she starts to believe. Like, Achan's the church kid who grew up in church, who should know all of it, who should have the understanding, and yet here's the story of Achan in in Joshua chapter 7. Achan, when they go in and take over Jericho, He does what he should not have done. He steals some of the things from uh, the Jericho people that he shouldn't have, like takes treasure from them, a robe and some some gold and silver things and all that, and he hides them in his own tent because he coveted those things and he was greedy. And he never tells anybody about it. And then God starts to kind of punish the Israelites for it. Joshua seeks the Lord. God tells him, you know, you need to figure out who took the stuff, and it comes down and it finds out it's Achan. And I don't think that that story is in there right after Rahab's story on accident. It's in there intentionally to let us know this, that there is a very uh, particular thing which pleases God. Because we have Achan, a good soldier, should be a good soldier of the Lord, a man who knows the word of God, who knows the law, who grew up as a person of Israel. And then we have Rahab. A Gentile woman, not just that, but a prostitute, maybe even a temple prostitute to one of their gods. Like this woman's life is no pretty story where she has been and how she has lived and what she has done. And yet at the end of their stories, here's the difference that we see between them. Rahab and her family are spared and live on. And at the end of chapter 7, Achan and his family are killed because he refuses to turn to the Lord in faith. God is not pleased by our status. God is not pleased by our theological knowledge. God is not pleased because we've been to church a lot. God is not pleased by religion. God is not pleased by appearance. God is pleased by faith. That is the difference between what pleases the Lord and what doesn't. Faith is the difference between a life that pleases God in a life that does not please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that it is faith that pleases the Lord. And it actually says this, I'm going to read it to you. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six 6 makes it clear, faith is the difference. Not where you come from, not what you know, not how long you've been here, not whether or not you have a seat in this room that you know where to go every single time you come in here. That doesn't please God. 
faith pleases God. Faith that believes what it's heard and faith that acts on what it believes. And the last thing about faith that I want to bring out about Rahab today and really for all of us, and here's where the application really spreads out to everybody, is that faith changes our stories. Faith changes our stories. Rahab's story was radically changed through faith. And so actually this morning, we're going to hear a testimony of a story that was changed. So I actually want to invite up Kevin Petersheim. No relation um, between us. Actually, this is my dad, um, Kevin Petersheim. You guys might have seen him play in bass, or he's doing the lights this morning. Um, but obviously, I know his story, and I, I wanted him just to share a little bit of um, you know, his story with us, just to see a real-life example from one of our, our church family members of how God changes our stories through, through faith in him. So you good? You ready to go? Go for it. Good morning. Kurt asked me to share my testimony this morning, and um, it's hard to share. He said you got five minutes, so it's hard to share 62 years of what God has done for you in five minutes. So um, I wrote up some notes, and um, I was going through them, and it took me eight minutes to get halfway through the first page, and I had four pages. So I had to cut all that out, and you're getting the cliff notes this morning. Um, we're talking today about Rahab and the faith that she had. I didn't have that kind of faith. I had a saving faith. Um, I was uh, raised in a conservative Mennonite church. Um, I got saved at the age of nine or ten, something like that, in Bible school one evening. Um, I married a girl from our youth group at the age of 20. In January of 1986, I was transferred to Augusta with my job. Um, December of 1986, I got a job at the Rockdale County Fire Department, and we moved to Covington. Through all those job changes and stuff, my faith began to grow because I saw God working in the way he moved through me getting those jobs. In 1992, um, we'd been here uh, six years, in 1992, my wife told me that she loved me, uh, but she was not in love with me anymore, and she wanted a divorce. She took my children, and she married someone else. Um, strange as that may sound, um, I learned a lot of things through that, and, and my faith grew in a lot of ways, but as strange as it may sound, the thing that I, that I learned more than anything else from that was to put my faith and God for my finances. I was in a really bad place financially, and I could talk for 30 minutes on this, but um, God showed me that if I am faithful to him, he will provide for me, and he will provide my needs. He may not give you everything you want, but he will provide your needs. Um, in 1998, I remarried, and we were happy, and we were involved in the church here. Uh, we led a growth group together. We... Um, we're on a drama team here together. We had a drama team at the church here at that time. We went on several mission trips together. June 26, 2010, we were on a mission trip with the church here, with the youth group from the church um, in Honduras. And on that mission trip, on that day, June 26, a Honduran pastor came up to me and asked to see my Bible, and I had this Bible with me. And um, he had this sticker. You can see the sticker. He, he took this sticker and stuck it 
inside the front cover of, of my Bible, and he said, God laid this on my heart to give this to you. And I can't read it because it's in Spanish. <laughs> but I can read, there's a Bible verse, a couple Bible verses on the end of it, and I could read the Bible verses, and I looked them up, and I was like, not sure why he gave that to me, but I'm good with it. So um, two years later, my wife told me that she found uh, someone else, and she wanted a divorce. And she went to war against me. <clears throat> and I was devastated. I was consumed with fear, worry, and doubt. I immersed myself in the Word of God, and I found strength. I found some comfort. I found some joy. But I was still really struggling. Uh, one night at the fire station, I was up in Rockdale, I was working at the fire department. It was 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't sleep. I was tossing, I was turning, um, just really struggling with this. And I got out of bed and got on my knees and I cried out to God. And I was like, God, you've got to show me. You, you, you've got to show me that you're with me. I need help. And um, I, got, I took my Bible and I got down on my knees and I opened it up and it, and it opened up to this sticker that this guy had given me. And it's Isaiah 41, 10 through 13. And I know that all of you have heard those verses. But um, it basically, it, it says, Fear not, for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I will help you. And it goes on to say, All those who are incensed against you, all those who war against you, they'll be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. And immediately, a... Um, comfort, a, a peace, and a joy came over me that was just totally unexplainable. And at that point in my life, I stopped trying to do things my own way. Um, I was finally beginning to learn to trust God in every area of my life. Uh, when that divorce was over, God laid another couple verses on my, on my heart. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. I'm paraphrasing it, it says... I am the God of all comfort. Comfort others with the comfort that you've been given. And I knew immediately what God wanted me to do. He wanted me to minister to others going through divorce and separation. But I didn't know how to do that. So I prayed about it. Instead of answering that prayer, God showed out in another way. He sent me another wife. And this one could be in this Faith Hall of Fame. She is one of the most amazing women I have ever met in the way that she loves God and the faith that she has, and she's taught me a tremendous amount about having faith, just trusting God for everything. After we got married, um, the most difficult decision we had to make was where we were going to go to church. I had been a member at this church since the church began, she had been a member of her church for over 20 years, and we weren't sure where God wanted us to go. We prayed about it for several months. We went to both churches, and eventually we felt like God was calling us to go to her church. And I didn't know why at the time, but I do know why now. He wanted me to get out of my comfort zone. Um, trust me, I'm out of my comfort zone right now, too. <laughs> But um, 
it, at that church, they got me out of my comfort zone. And um, they, they had me teaching a Sunday school class in a short period of time there. And I think God wanted Vicki and I to learn how he could use us as a team teaching together. Um, so in fall of 2019, God led us back to Eastridge. By this time, God was calling both of us to minister um, to those going through divorce and separation. And honestly, I didn't want to do it. Um, but in the back of my mind, I kept hearing, comfort others with the comfort you've been given. So finally, last year, um, we got connected with an international organization called Divorce Care. And Vicki and I went through the training. And last um, fall, we had our first class. And there, there's some in here today that was in that class. But anyway, I'm going to give a shameless plug for the class. I know just about everybody in here knows somebody, a family member, a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor that's going through divorce. This class is not just a growth group for people in the church. It's for the community. And I want to invite you to stop by our table up there and pick up a flyer and take it and give it to them and invite them to come to the class. It could be life-changing for them. Um, this is certainly not how I pictured my life looking as a young man, but now I can look back on my life and see God's hand in everything. Um, I've learned, no matter our struggles, our weaknesses, our failures, God works all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Thank you. That was over five minutes, so I'm just kidding. No, that was great. Thank you. Um, look, by the way, I know a lot of you guys have stories that you would like to share. I don't know everybody's stories. If you would ever like to share a testimony, let me know. I mean, really, I'd like to kind of have that in my mind that, you know, I, I love that we get to hear each other. Y'all like hearing testimonies? I mean, it's always great. Yeah, it's just awesome. Um, so let me know if you have one you'd like to share. So I just want to wrap up today. Um, Kind of reminding us of that point that I said before my dad came up, that faith changes our stories. And really, it's God that changes our stories, right? But our, our faith in God, that he is a God who redeems, who changes, who transforms. He's a God who lifts up those who are crushed and broken. There is not a perfect story in this room. My dad's story is not perfect. My story is not perfect. Your story is not perfect. There are scars and there are bruises and there are wounds. You have been failed by others. You have failed others. You've been let down and you've let people down. And I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you are exactly right now. Some of you I do, but not everybody. I don't know where everybody is or what you feel like your story is about. But here's what I know. Because I know Rahab's story, I know my dad's story, and I know my own story and many of yours, I do know. What I know is, none of you are too far gone. None of you have sinned too much. None of you have messed up too badly or fallen too far to be redeemed and changed and transformed and forgiven by the grace of our God. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest proof of this. 
And I love the fact, I love the fact that Rahab's story doesn't end in chapter 2. Rahab's story goes on to chapter 6. And I do want to just read this real quick because it's, it's amazing to see how her story ends here in the book of Joshua in verse uh, 24 and 25. It says, They burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent to spy, as spies to Jericho. And listen, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. When that was written, the author, Joshua, or whoever else wrote this, was just simply saying, Rahab's story was changed. This girl, and you got to imagine growing up, being a prostitute in the land where she was, that her story was about, I, I guarantee you, it was about abuse and neglect being used, being mistreated by everybody that she knew, brokenness and hardship. And her story gets changed by God. And that's not even the best verse about her story in the Bible. You know what the best verse about her story in the Bible is? It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, where it says that she marries an Israelite man and she becomes the great-great-grandmother to King David. And 28 generations later, she becomes the great, 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 etc. grandmother of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Rahab and, and, and a few other women, by the way, who are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, their stories, yeah, they're messed up and they're hard and they're broken and they're not always pretty, but God puts those stories in there to remind us it's not filtered, but there's faith. There's real faith in these people. And where there's faith, God can transform and change a story. I don't know where you're at with that today. But here's what we're going to do. I just want us to worship our God this morning together. One more time just to sing to him about how he rescues every one of us. That's what we're going to sing about. I'm going to hang out down here. If you would like prayer, I'd love to pray with anybody in this room. Or if you just want to come down and pray on your own, you want to pray right there where you're at. If you just want to stand and sing, but let's let God just speak and lead us right now where we're at. And I just want to ask you, would you believe what you've heard and would you take a step of action about what you believe and trust that just like Rahab, just like my dad, that God can change your story too. Amen. Let's worship God.